Well, good morning, beloved. I'm Jonathan Coleman, one of the pastors here at Anderson Hills, and I want to welcome you this morning. We are in our final week of a series titled Abounding Hope. We've been guided by one scripture in this series, and that is from Romans chapter 15, verse 13. And we've pulled out small segments of that verse for our teaching focus. Let's say this uh, scripture verse together as it's on the screen. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Today we'll be focusing on at last titled, titled uh, verses there. They're bold and they're beautiful. Think about what hope, what we hope in each day. We use the word hope offhandedly. I hope my car doesn't die. I hope the stock market rallies from its loss. I hope my stomach doesn't act up while I'm on this date. I hope Joe Burrow doesn't throw three interceptions in a row again. I hope. I hope. I hope. I'm not saying it's wrong to make these statements. It's a correct course for our expressions and communications of feelings when we are uncomfortable or distraught. However, all of these are examples of hoping in worldly cares. If there's one thing this series has taught us, is that hope an eternal hope, a sustaining hope uh, from God can permeate our lives in all circumstances. And this hope is something that you simply cannot create or muster on your own power. If you try, you'll fail. You'll quickly find yourself chasing the same earthly cares. Now, you know, having things like money or power or pleasure or other things that are given and bestowed onto you in this world, they aren't bad things, but if they are your source of hope and joy and peace, you're going to be living a life of quiet desperation, trying to muster hope in your circumstances. Several weeks ago, we moved um, our son out of the basement of our house into his apartment down in OTR for his internship through the architectural program of Miami University. I noticed that there was an extension cord uh, connected to the TV cord in the basement, and it was running to another room. And I was wondering why that extension cord was traveling to a different room. Why didn't he just plug it, the TV into the outlet just below the TV? It didn't work. So I went up to the breaker box to see if the, a breaker had been tripped, you know, and they were all clicked to the right, everything was on. And then I walked around with a small light to plug into every <laughs> outlet in the basement to see what was going on. Some worked, some didn't. And I'm thinking, what is going on? Then my gaze went down to an outlet beside the couch. And I noticed that there was a little red button between the two outlets. 
He didn't reset the button after it tripped for some reason when it got overloaded. I didn't know we had an outlet like that in the basement. Usually it's up by the, by the bathroom sink. I clicked it, used the remote, after I plugged the TV back in below it. <laughs> little boom, the TV lit up, powered on. That little reset button was all it took to reset the entire circuit in the basement. Power. You see, we need to plug into God's source of hope. That power. We can't have extension cords going all over the place seeking source of power in various areas, other areas outside of God. We have the right power source to live in this world right next to us. That source of power can't be tripped either. It's constant. The right source of power will continually deliver the right power to the right place in the right way in the right time. The Holy Spirit is the power source for the Christian life. And this is no small power source. Genesis 1, 1 through 3, it says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, and now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was all over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters, and God said, Let there be light. And there was light. Spoken word through that power. Bang! The Holy Spirit is right there in the creative process. The Spirit's power is not small. It has power to create, spoken with words. All things created and spoken into being through the ministry of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. All things created, especially humans, made in the image of God. People formed formed to rely on that source of the divine, the power. Power of God. It's the same power inside us all, creative power for those who believe. And we're also talking about the same power that, that raised Jesus from the dead, rolled away the stone, and sent people into an eternal hope and proclamation of that hope. In the spirit, we have this hyperdrive level of hope, and it's not just a hope in the things of the world like the stock market or a new house or a new car or the new sales deal at work or the Bengals hopefully beating the Steelers today. Yes, those things are a nice addition to our life, but they have the potential to overload the life with fretting. And eventually, they lose their power and their shine. Why? Because they keep making one unfulfilled and even empty and let down without much real hope. Well, I have good news for you today. The power source of hope is so much stronger, so much more reliable, so much more rewarding than all that stuff. Let me show you what this power looks like. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, Jesus said, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Jesus commissions the apostles to go and wait for that power, not just power, but his power, giving them power for life, 
life and power to advance the kingdom of God and power to live in the circumstances that life deals. The Holy Spirit is in me for my sake. The Holy Spirit can be in you for your sake, leading and guiding throughout the ministry and throughout the Christian journey. And the Holy Spirit comes upon us also for the sake of others and God's purposes in ministry. The Holy Spirit is not only the source, a source of power, but the Holy Spirit is our sustainer of power. The Christian life, it is a difficult journey at times to live in this world. We just don't get a one-time power-up from the Holy Spirit. No. <laughs> when we ask Jesus to be our, our, our Savior, we can experience the Holy Spirit's power over and over and over again in our lives and be filled. And how do we sustain that power? There's one word that Jesus speaks that gives us a little hint. He keys us in on it. And it's in John 15. And that word, it's a beautiful word. Abide. Abide. Jesus says at the beginning of that chapter, he says, abide in me and I will abide in you. Abide means to remain in. I've had some stomach issues lately. The Friday before last, doggone it, I got acute diverticulitis. Oh, I didn't wish that on my, first, my worst enemy. Oh, my gosh. And I made the grand switch from drinking coffee to drinking herbal tea. I found that there are two types of tea drinkers. There are those who like to take their cup of hot water and dip the tea bag in and out. Ding, 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 ding. And sometimes they'll take that bag out and they'll wrap it around the spoon and they'll, they'll, you know, take the label and push the flavor in. Then there are those that take that tea bag with the label and they might even tie it around the handle or put it in their cup just like this and just let that tea bag remain in that water. What happens? That tea becomes stronger and stronger. I want to tell you, this is some strong Earl Grey tea right here. <laughs> I've had it since Salem. It's a great illustration. You should see this stuff. Woo! I'm not going to drink it. It'll dry out my throat. <laughs> you see, it remains in. That tea bag abides. You know what? We can dink, dink, dink in and out of our relationship with God. When Jesus says, abide in me. And what he says, if we do that, he says, I will abide in you. You know what? We can dink on Sunday, and that's it. Or dink in at a mealtime prayer. Or dink in when a Christian song comes on the radio. Jesus calls us to abide and remain in. It keeps our hope alive. It keeps our hope constant. It keeps the Holy Spirit in us, ministering through us. And in abiding, there's a receiving of the Spirit's sustaining power, remaining and sustaining, I say. Remain and sustain. Remain and sustain. The Holy Spirit's sustaining power guarantees that you will always have the power that you need to accomplish the work that God calls you to do. And it doesn't mean that that work is always going to be easy. 
but you'll always be sustained by that power, and that's the promise of God. Jesus' disciples experienced this power, not just for a short time. No, this power would sustain them through the rest of their lives. In Acts chapter 4, Peter and John were confronted by some religious leaders who were greatly annoyed because they were pointing people to Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit, through the power of his resurrection. And that message demonstrated that those religious leaders were guilty of murdering Jesus. And they testified to that. Trouble begins to brew in Acts 4, and it shows itself, it shows itself in the resistance and persecution that they find, that Peter and John find. You can pull Acts chapter 4 up in your Bible, or you can put it on your phone there if you have it. Acts chapter 4, verse 5, listen. The next day the rulers and the elders and the teachers of the law met in Jerusalem. Annas, the high priest, was there, and so were Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and others of the high priest's family. They had Peter and John brought before them, and they began to question him. By what power or what name did you do this? You see, they healed, they healed a crippled man. Do these names in this text sound familiar? Well, just a couple months before, they were behind the crucifixion of Jesus. And do you think that Peter and John were afraid? Well, just months earlier, when these religious leaders put Jesus on trial before he was crucified, Peter, Peter denied that he even knew Jesus. In fact, this little girl challenged him on it, and he denied him three times that night. Not one of Peter's best moments. But this isn't the same Peter that we see here in this text in Acts 4. This is an abiding Peter. This is a, is, is, is a man that's plugged into a source of power. The right source of power at the right time. Look at Acts 4, 8, 8 through 12. It says, Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of the people, If we are being called to account today for an act of kindness showed to a man that was lame and are being asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. Jesus is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind for which we must be saved. What, or should I say who, made the difference? Peter was filled with the Holy Spirit. Peter was not ashamed of the gospel. If Peter was fearful, think about it, if Peter was fearful, he would have only said what he thought was necessary to get out of that situation, to get out of jail. But instead, the Holy Spirit gives him the ability, gives him the ability to stand as a bold witness of Jesus Christ, despite the circumstances that was standing right in front of him. You see, yeah, Peter messed up that night before Jesus was crucified, but Jesus sought him out, restored him, and filled him with his own spirit. 
And Peter now understands. Peter knows the hope of the Lord and the power of God. And that means that there's hope for you and for me. Let's be honest. It took some bold, big boldness to proclaim a message like that. And it, but it wasn't mustered up from Peter's boot heels. It was boldness from power through abiding in Jesus Christ, in his presence, constantly, through his spirit. It says that when these religious leaders saw the courage of Peter and John, they realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men. That they were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. Peter and John were uneducated, unqualified, common guys with really not much of a resume. Their resume would look like fishermen and one who spent time with Jesus. <laughs> but they were men who spent time with Jesus. They were walking also like Jesus when they were filled with the Holy Spirit. They were talking like Jesus. They were doing the same works that Jesus did because they were filled with the Holy Spirit and sustained by that Spirit's power. I know you might be sitting there and you might be like, wow, this bar is too high for moi. <laughs> I'm not one of those disciples. Look, folks, these guys weren't superheroes. These were guys who spent a lot of their time arguing who was the number one disciple while Jesus was teaching about humility. They ran and hid when Jesus was arrested in fear. But when the Holy Spirit's power was sustaining them after Jesus ascended, they were changed forever. Their lives. Maybe some of us have gotten to know God better because we've gotten to know our weaknesses better. Maybe you've said, I know I can't do this. It's beyond my ability. Only God can do it. Well, that's where God wants you to be. Not by our power and might, but by God's Spirit. His power is made perfect through weakness. <laughs> Otherwise, we'd get cocky and say, oh, I did it myself. Maybe you've given up on the idea that God could use you. But let me tell you, God can and will use anyone who has surrendered to the power of the Holy Spirit. Who's an empty vessel that says, oh God, fill me. The heroes of the Bible aren't heroic without the power of the Holy Spirit. In the world we live today, we need holy boldness more than ever. The world needs a bold church who are empowered and sustained by the Holy Spirit. And boldness goes into the darkest places and dead places and speaks life into those places. Where there's chaos and confusion, holy boldness is having the authority to go to the broken and say, let there be healing in Jesus' name. Did you notice that? They heal in Jesus' name. Just in that name, just in speaking the name, there's power. Power in the name of Jesus. Boldness in forgiving your enemy and praying for them. Blessing them with kindness. Boldness choosing purity. Boldness looking your kids in the eyes and saying, you have worth, my child. And also boldness in simply, maybe sometimes we say, oh, I'll pray for you. And then we forget to pray for them. Boldness is saying, you want to be prayed for? I'll pray for you now. Give me your hands. The world doesn't know what to do with that. 
And neither, neither did the council of these religious leaders. They didn't know what to do with these guys. You go back to Acts chapter 4. They're huddled together. What are we going to do with these men? They asked. Everyone living in Jerusalem knows that they performed a notable sign, it says. We can't deny it. But to stop this thing from spreading any further among the people, we must warn them to no longer, uh, no longer speak that name to anyone. And then they called Peter and John in again and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, this is great. Which is right in God's eye, to listen to you or to listen to him? You be the judges. As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and what we have heard. Peter and John had seen it with their own eyes, all that Jesus did. They had heard his words of promise, and Jesus backed up those words. They saw him ascend into heaven. They had seen him heal this crippled man, and then they healed a crippled man by his power and in his name. Jesus was real to them. Peter and John, they knew who they were, and they knew who they served so that they could not keep their mouths shut. They knew that Jesus is the hope of the world, and they refused to back away from that hope. So Peter and John, they returned to the other believers and told them what the leading priests and elders had said. And when they heard the report, all the believers lifted up their voices in prayer. Listen to this prayer. It says, Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. Power filling them. In the face of opposition, they turned their face to God in prayer. What did they ask? They asked for boldness in proclaiming God's word. This message of hope is not just for us, my friends. It's for the whole world. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, we can proclaim this message to tell everyone and we see this message proclaimed in our children's ministry we see it at our preschool we'll tell it to our teens we'll help them go out and share it with others we'll proclaim it in that 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 hope on thursday nights when we feed people at salem We'll proclaim it through our UMW and through ARM and through our men of Anderson Hills. We'll proclaim hope when we build a house for Habitat or a deck in ASP in Kentucky. We'll proclaim it when our missionaries feed a child in Mexico or rescue a person from sex trafficking in Dominican Republic. This hope will be proclaimed by our missionaries in Africa who have $1 million worth of water wells drilled from our donated money. And now they can have physical water and they can hear about that spiritual living water of Jesus Christ. We'll proclaim it in the Cincinnati jails where we go and support the mission through our local food pantries and also offer hope to people who are living on the edge wanting to be accepted and loved. 
We'll proclaim it to one another through our bands and our life groups. We'll proclaim it in breweries and assisted living centers through the ministry of fresh expressions. We'll proclaim it when we worship here traditional and contemporary, when we gather for prayer on Sunday nights and worship. We'll proclaim that hope at Salem in Mount Washington. We'll proclaim it in Anderson Township. We'll proclaim it globally through our online community that we have the hope of the world and his name is Jesus Christ. It's not Jonathan. No. It's not Anderson Hills. It's Jesus. The power of Jesus Christ. The power of his name. And the Holy Spirit is all the source of power of this, his own spirit. That's the abounding hope, my friends. And I believe it's the loudest message that we should have in our lives. The gospel of Jesus is the best news anyone will ever hear. And it's the most important thing that we have to say because Jesus can change the human hearts. God's kingdom coming on earth can transform the world. Friends, today, I believe God is calling us to respond. Who is going to be a person like Peter in your neighborhood to proclaim that message of hope who's empowered by the Holy Spirit? Who's going to be like Peter and John in your church? Who's going to be like Peter in your family? Who's going to be like John in your school? Who's going to be like Peter in your business? Who's going to be like Peter in your city and in your nation? Who's going to act with Holy Spirit-empowered boldness to be a catalyst for change wherever you are? I want to give you a simple piece of homework. First, plug in and abide. Then ask God, who are you calling me? to share hope with and what is my next step I guarantee the Holy Spirit will give you a name maybe even a few names and then give you the boldness by the power of the Holy Spirit to help that person maybe you need to share your testimony with them maybe you need to invite them to church or your life group maybe you need to show them the love and compassion and tell them why you are doing it it's because of Jesus Christ let me tell you, that's contagious. And that can change the trajectory of a life. We've seen firsthand how, this contagious, how contagious this virus can be. It's a real thing, yeah. There's some other negative effects that have slipped in as well that are also contagious. Fear, worry, anxiety, and not abiding. As Christ followers, we have the responsibility and privilege to help hope become even more contagious. When we're relying on the power of the Holy Spirit to produce overflowing hope in us, that hope, hope trumps worry, fear, and anxiety and helps us remain in Him because, you know, we won't do, want to do anything else. And it will become noticeable. It will. We can be catalysts to help people catch that passion for Jesus Christ. And my friends, what is better than that? Will you join me in prayer? Almighty God, you minister to us in an incredible way through the power of the Holy Spirit. You, O oh Lord, desire to fill us, to give us boldness, 
it's so wonderful when we choose to abide in you, that you abide in us, and you show us just what it means to live like you and to minister like you. It's what a Christian is. Follower. An imitator of you, Jesus. God, we pray that you would fill us right now with your Holy Spirit. That you would give visually people's faces and names in our minds that we can minister to. To give eternal, everlasting hope to. God, we thank you that you desire to choose us, even in our weaknesses, where we find that you are our strength. God, we thank you, we love you, and we thank you for this series of abounding hope. And may that abounding hope fill us forevermore, we pray in the name of Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.